Can you hear me, Lamar? I can hear you, Ron. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. All right. Welcome back to the Transfer Portal, ladies and gentlemen. I am Ron, and my my other host is... I'm Lamar, and I'm really stoned. <laughs> I'm drinking Bud Diesel right now, trying to catch a buzz. But all right, we haven't been around since, Jesus, Thanksgiving. So, let's Super Bowl. What'd you think? I thought it was a good game. It wasn't, uh, you know, the most exciting game, probably for the casual fan, but I thought it was interesting kind of seeing the chess match between the two offensive, you know, and, and, and Andy Reid. Um, but Andy I thought the, monster. I thought the bigger story in the game was, A, the fucking Chiefs' inability to just go. I mean, these guys, every single game in the playoffs, just big-time comeback after big-time comeback after big-time comeback. No turnovers. No turnovers. No turnovers late. until this game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he was able to rebound from that and make some some plays down the stretch. Um, Tie wow. game going into the half. I mean, it, it, Kansas City didn't even score in the third quarter. Patrick Mahomes and, and, and the Chiefs reeled off 21 points and goose-egged San Francisco in the fourth quarter. It was it was great. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I mean, can't, I can't fucking stand that guy. I mean, what fucking Tom Brady. Once again... He's he's the product of that media hype. I mean, I think eighty five percent of the Jimmy G appeal is that he's a good looking Italian kid from Chicago. But <laughs> basically, but, but I mean, he has nothing going for him. He's a terrible quarterback. I wouldn't even say he's terrible. He's a game manager, and they, I mean, you look at what that guy's a bad game manager. You look at what that guy's paid, and he's paid like the elite quarterbacks, guys that you know the Russell Wilsons and the. Uh, you know, Cam Newtons and, and even guys like, yeah, I'm going to say it, Matthew Stafford, who actually have to do Gross. stuff for their team. Like, the thing about Jimmy G that always infuriates me is he, they got to the fucking Super Bowl and he had like 200 total yards passing in the playoffs. So I really. You can't, you can have a game manager work for you in the playoffs, but once you get to that Super Bowl, You've got to show something. It can't be a flash anymore. You've got to be able to have a big playability. I mean, he has Debo Samuels. He's got, you know, he's got Coleman, um, Mostert. I mean, the undrafted Purdue cat that, you know, he showed up all playoffs, scored a touchdown in this game. Uh, You have Kittle, man. Kittle had 36 yards, dude. You've got to get the ball to a playmaker. Or set some screens up with Coleman and, they just went stagnant. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the Chiefs did as well, but in the fourth quarter, they exploded. Patrick Mahomes, even they're running in. He looked great. I mean, he turned the ball over twice. He was sacked four times, but it doesn't matter. He still put it together when he had to. He put the team on his back, except for the Williams' last rushing touchdown. He Three total touchdowns. He was the MVP. He deserves it. Yeah, I I think the the big difference in that game was late. Jimmy G couldn't make any throws. I I believe he started the game off like sixteen of nineteen, and then down the stretch he was something like three of eleven, uh, and really just did not look good. He missed a big throw late to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you realize Terrell open. Suggs is on this fucking Kansas City Chiefs defense, right? I did not realize that the the veteran T Sizzle was still T- out here running. T Sizzle was out there. Yeah, He's, him and him, Frank Clark. They, the defense came up big in the fourth quarter for him. 
And the defense looked great for San Francisco in the first and the second and the third. They just got tired, I feel like. Patrick Mahomes was able to make some throws. I mean, the Jimmy Garoppolo interception was huge. The, both of them. But I think that Jimmy G pick happened at a point in the game where it really didn't matter as much. But, I mean, I really just think that game came down to when the chips were on the table, KC had a guy that was able to make some fucking big-time plays, and Absolutely. San, San Fran couldn't. And they stayed and, consistent know, on the ground. And, you know, people will try to blame Kyle Shanahan for this loss because that's kind of the thing you do in Super Bowls that he's involved in when they lose. Oh, time out. Time out. Of course he's going to get the blame for it. He already lost the Super Bowl. There. Now he lost it as a head coach. Yeah, he but can't, it, he can't. It he can't do it. But it wasn't his fault that a fucking guy went is offsides the, on third and you know third and five and turned it into third and ten. Is he the new Andy Reid then? Is he what Andy Reid was? To some extent, yes. But I really just think he's a guy that he's very young. I, I don't even think he's forty years old yet. So I think no, he's. I don't. I don't think he is as well. Let's let's not that. take anything away from the, the the program that him and John Lynch have been able to put together. With the 49ers. No, I'm not going to take away from that. They they built they've built a, a successful defense. Um, the running game is a is great for them. They've got Kittle. Um, they could stand to use someone to plug in at wide receiver. Maybe this is what Jimmy G needs is a big time playmaker receiver like a Josh Gordon, somebody that you know you got a lot of guys coming out the draft from LSU. I mean, your receivers going out so. It's not as if you're – this draft is deep. It's not as if they're going to hurt to, you know, bring talent around Jimmy Garoppolo if that's the if that's the way or direction they want to go. But I wouldn't waste my money on it. I'll, I'll tell you a guy who I was very, very impressed with, and, and I hate his fucking politics, and I'm glad we don't have to see him fucking sucking Trump's dick. But Joey Bosa, <laughs> Joey Bosa, oh. that's a bad motherfucker right there, man. Yes. He I mean, made Patrick Mahomes yeah, his life a little bit of a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, Bosa was unbelievable in that game. He put it together, man. I'm telling you, that defense is no joke. Don't forget about DeForest Buckner, man. That dude is – he's no slouch. Buckner, D- DeFord, I mean, they have – they have guys. I mean, they. and the thing about San Fran is we don't really talk about the fact that they – Solomon Thomas – from uh, the the former hey, Stanford Richard, product, Richard Sherman played great. I mean, Sherman got beat on that play where Sammy Watkins just got a hell of a release. But if you ever played DB or receiver, you know that that happens. But yeah. I'm just really sick of the oh, Richard Sherman doesn't follow somebody who you know he doesn't follow the other team's number one receiver across the field. He's not as good at listen. The guy has been doing it at a high level for you know eight, nine, ten years now at this point. And he's going to be in Canton one day, so we need to just stop with all this nonsense. Speaking of Canton, is is this what gets Andy Reid into the Hall of Fame? Yes. If you, if you had a hall, if you had a Hall of Fame, and say Andy Reid lost the Super Bowl, would you vote Andy Reid into the Hall of Fame? I would, regardless of whether I he would won as the well. Super Bowl or not, because he's one of the you know greatest offensive minds of really oh, any yeah, generation. And, Only and reason I ever that, watched Philly games. And one thing that he doesn't get credit for is he's built two, you know, Super Bowl contending teams in two different conferences with yep. two, 
completely kind of different styles of play. You had more of a, a West Coast style offense that he obviously ran with great success in Philadelphia. And Very as true. the NFL has evolved, so is his offensive schemes. So of some of the things he does, now it's more of a spread RPO. He's been able, kind he's of been able to take guys offense. that – he's been able to take raw, talented guys like a McNabb, a Mahomes, um, even a fresh out of jail Michael Vick and turn them into NFL leading passers statistically. And, and borderline MVP bounds, candidates or yeah, MVP almost, winners. Yeah, exactly. This guy is a quarterback whisperer. Like you said, he's innovated offenses for two plus decades. He wanted to, he won a ring with Green Bay as an assistant. So I mean, with San, he's been around. With San Francisco. He's, yeah, and he's around. He knows how to build a winner. And I'm just I'm glad he finally got a Super Bowl ring. I'm glad he's getting his due. And I, I thought the Super Bowl was great. Defensive battle in the beginning, and then. Offense explosion in the end, I thought that was fantastic. And I'm very happy for Andy Reid. Did you see the Travis Kelsey, uh, the Lombardi luge? This yes. This motherfucker luged beer off the Lombardi trophy. Part of me says, don't do that. He says, yeah, fucking I would do it. <laughs> I mean, you really, you, you kind of have to do shit like that when you win the Super Bowl. Like, of course. If I won my fucking, you know, recreational soccer, like, you know, be B League fucking championship. Do they, I probably do they do clean, something like that. Do they clean the the Stanley Cup? Now we're getting a oh, little off topic here, but th- they that thing to, has been that thing is disgusting. Do, hockey players do fucked up shit when they got the cup, man. Yeah, man, they get really fucking creative with that. Up. Good lord. Um. Yeah, let's uh. Let's let's turn the page here. Let's let's talk about something that I don't really want to talk about. You don't really want to talk about. Let's talk about Kobe. Yeah. Just for a minute. Just for a minute, just to say that you you can't replace somebody's tenacity for life like you can with Kobe Bryant. So watched him play his entire career. He was just different. Um, on the court, off the court, he demanded excellence. You know, he gave you the formula for it every single time, you, you know, you talked about failure and success with him. And I think for him, you know, he was, he was just getting to that point in his retirement where his, his former platform was helping him reach so many different people and send out a message. So, I mean, you know, I just, I just want to thank Kobe Bryant, you know, send out condolences to his family. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a horrible, and I think it's certainly maybe the only comparable kind of athlete death that I can think of that even comes close to this in magnitude would be maybe Roberto Clemente. You know, given yeah. the, the nature in which he died uh, and the things he was trying to do from a humanitarian perspective. And I think, you know, the great tragedy in all this is a, is a couple of things. And I think the first is obviously the fact that, you know, not only Kobe, but, but also his daughter and, and seven other people, you know, lost their lives. And, yeah. and it's just an overall tragic situation when you consider that Kobe has been known for, for his usage of helicopters. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was a, still a, a very young man with, you, you know, four children and, and a wife and, 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 you know, family and friends that, that cared about him. 
you know, as were the, the other folks who um, unfortunately lost their life. Nice. But yep. I think the kind of just the, the, one of the just most fucked up things about all this is watching last night. I think it was the 98. Uh, yeah, it had to be probably the 98 All-Star game. And you look at all these guys, and, it, and this was loaded. I mean, Michael Jordan, Shaq, Penny, Grant Hill, you know, all those oh, late God. 90s greats. Young, Kevin Garnett, Jason Kidd. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Just some great, great, great players. Tim Duncan. Uh, all those guys were in that game. And the only guy I could think that's no longer with us is Kobe. And he was the youngest yeah. person in that game. And that's just... That's crazy. It just doesn't seem real. And it just like it still doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem real. So, you know, my, you know, condolences go out to, you know, Kobe Bryant's family and, and all the, the families that, you know, lost lost loved ones in that tragic accident. Oh yeah. All right, let's shift gears here. Get back to get back to the, the transfer portal. Until- Steps down as MSU's head football coach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, the past two seasons have kind of been a joke for MSU, right? So, Barely bowl eligible. Brian Lewerke somehow mysteriously the starter for two seasons. Like, what's going on with this program? And uh, the the uh, fucking giant sexual assault scandal with three of their players. Looming where, in the background, where where a player who ultimately was also convicted of sexual assault actually told on his teammates that what happened, like that's what the fuck, like yeah. state. I mean, state. Let's just be Stay honest. In your lane, bro. <laughs> let's just be honest. Michigan State has always been a program that has, you know, kind of fashioned themselves on the wrong side of the law. I mean, you had Glenn Winston fucking knocking out hockey players. You had that weird ass incident where a bunch of guys like ran up on like a frat and like masked and shit. You had, you know, <laughs> sexual assaults Just... being kind of covered up. And this is the school that fucking had the Ray Nasser fucking scandal. <laughs> That's not like, football, what the though. fuck. But I think it is, it is. It does seem like it's just kind of running rampant with MSU. And I don't. I... That program was just—it just started going downhill once they just started shuffling coordinators and coaches around in different spots. Like, oh, now you're the DV coach. Oh, now you're the quarterback coach. Like, and now you know you have all these reports that people are just like, oh, Pat Narduzzi is going to come back and be the head coach. Not going to happen. I, I mean, I Luke. just, then you, then I just you, don't then see then any coach. Fickle. I don't see any coach worth the fuck being able to take this job because, a you're probably a guy like Fickle or even Narduzzi will probably have an equal amount of success at their current schools. And why yeah, is but it's Fickle the paycheck. Gonna, but why is Fickle going to take a Michigan State job when he can have his pick of jobs probably next year? The, uh, the the Michigan State job will still be there next season. I think this would be a one, you know, interim kind of an interim kind of season type of deal where be Mike Russell will be the coach. Yeah. And, you know, the the thing about state is regardless of all the off the field shit, Mark Antonio was a hell of a coach. And that's the one thing you can't take away from the guy. He he was able to turn a fucked up, like just sloppy ass, historically underachieving program that he took two star guys and made them outplay Michigan. 
year in, yeah. year out. Yeah, and, and the guy had, I mean, I think he won three Big Ten titles, really kind of elevated yep. Michigan State to a point where they were as good as anybody in the country, uh, you know, for about a you know four or five-year run there. They all played and Stanford in a Rose Bowl, and it looked great. And, and and it's really it's really unfortunate, you know, that the rivalry and the shit talking between him and Harbaugh, and, and you know the fan bases probably isn't going to be there because I don't see State being good next year, given all the no. circumstances. And that, what would you that do? What would you do? What would you do if State won the Big Ten next year? Uh, I'd probably jump into the Red Cedar River naked in the middle of January. Because that's not going to that. happen. That's not going to happen. I'm going to hold you that. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think the issue with State has actually been that, you know, A, that recruiting class they had with Corley and all those guys was a disaster for numerous reasons. But I think that the, the as that program elevated, they still kind of kept that we're just going to get two-star and three-star mentality. When you gotta but go out that, and get, that, get those, no, it, it's fine though because they were able to develop. But once these that development, college football players, yeah, but it's why, why you know why work hard to fucking refine something when you can take something with a lot more raw ability and apply those. Development but why not when you're when, better when, you, when you're getting something when you're getting a second tier recruit instead of a top tier recruit instead of wasting all the time trying to bring them there. He already wants to go there because he, no one else wants him. And then you have all the time in the world to develop him. Yeah, but I guess that's kind of my point. You guys will take a red shirt. I like think Damian Terry, whatever ha- what whatever happened to him? He was supposed to be a, a standout three star quarterback that committed to MSU, and we never saw Damian Terry. No, you're right. I mean, that was he was always Damian Terry, Damian Terry. And he never really got you a never shot. saw him. And we, I mean, he just got beat out by other guys, and I think it's. How? Uh, who knows? The thing, the thing about state is they played kind of a, a style of football. I think that worked that worked well. A great pro had, style offense that they had. had. You know, guys like Jack Conklin on the offensive line. You had quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins or either Connor Cook, douche, douche tool, fucking Connor Cook, Le'Veon Bell. You know, fucking borderline future NFL Hall of Famer, fucking in the backfield. They had some guys. Jeremy Langford was there. Langford. Uh, they always had a great defense, and defense, they played that very physical. They played that cornerback you know, was good. Yeah, you know they guys like Trey Wayans and some of the guys they've had in the defensive secondary. Uh, my boy Tony Lippett. Shout out to my cousin Coach Odin. Um, I think really State played a very physical style of football, and the thing that kind of started to bite them in the ass was they weren't able to really beat up on some of these teams, man, especially if you really no. if you really think about it, given their division especially, uh, given the fact that, it's, you know, it's, it's Ohio, State's, Ohio State's probably, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C behind Alabama and Clemson in terms of <laughs> roster no. talent in the country. I mean, they're no. right up – they're right up there – with the elite programs, you know, as you know, they just got a different caliber athlete. Penn State has been able to continuously get good quality teams in there. And I think you also had the resurgence of Michigan. I mean, let's not forget that the most 
successful oh, yes, I keep period. I, I keep forgetting you guys stagger into an eight and four season every year and ruin something for somebody. <laughs> so, you know, Terrible. when Michigan when Michigan was fucking brutal uh, under Rich Rod and Hope, that's kind of the window that Michigan State had. Whereas that window is now gone because we beat them unless we get some mind blowing flu pretty much every year now. Um, I was gonna say let's talk about National Signing Day, but no one cares about today anymore because they're. It's it's dumb. I don't even know. Like they could make this in fucking April for all that matters at this point. It really mm-hmm. doesn't matter because with the early day, everybody gets locked in because half the guys are trying to get to campus as soon as possible. Um, they're, they're, yeah, like I said, there's not really anything notable about National Signing Day. Um, nah. But I think for the Michigan with the Michigan State situation. It's just going to depend on who they hire for their next coach. If it's Luke Fickle, I think that would be a slam dunk hire. He knows the conference. Yeah, he knows the region from a recruiting if, perspective. He has relationships they, with the high school steal, coaches. If, if Pat Narduzzi ends up becoming the guy, still same ge- geographic kind of thing. Going home over Midwest recruits. So yes. I, MSU's coach. I agree. I've seen PJ Fleck rumors. That's like literally a lateral move. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, I think <laughs> I don't think people realize University of Minnesota has the resources. They have the facilities. They're in a great oh, yeah. metropolitan location. They could Beautiful easily place. he could just stay there and fucking win and be you know their Hayden Fry and just be there forever. That's what I would do. Um, Same. So I really think it would be a familiar face of someone that has Midwest roots, ties to that area from a recruiting perspective. Um, you know, do they go out and reach out to the, maybe the NFL and there's someone there that, that, that might I mean, you might as well start trying to pluck fit. coordinators from the NFL and bring them back to be the head coach or bring them to college to be a head coach. Maybe it'll get them ready yeah. for the next level again. Yeah, so I mean. That's a good plan. I, I mean, I think I mean, State, you know. They, I think they'll be back sooner than what people think. I think it really, they just got to hit that yeah, higher. Two, three yeah. With the right, with, you know, you, like you said earlier, you hit it, then boom, you get two recruiting cycles of the new coach. Next thing you know, they're back into it. It'll be easy. I agree. I agree. So, all right. National championship, college football. What'd you? Oh god, man! Fuck that game was like two months ago. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, what, what, in like three months. What 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 can you say, man? Uh, fuck, LSU might have just completed the greatest season in the history of college football. When you think about the teams they beat, being oh, able yeah. to just kind of, in an odd way, kind of pull away from the defending, undefeated, reigning. National champion yeah. Clemson team, it was, and they it was did crazy. it kind of in a way where it's like, damn, are they really just doing this? Like Clemson, it wasn't like last year's game with Clemson so Alabama real, where man. it was like a blowout. It was just like they made every fucking play possible. And, and Burrow, I think this has to be considered the greatest season by any player in the history of college football because he did it and in Joe the broke fucking the touchdown the, record. And the marquee he did in the playoff era. He put up the biggest numbers on the biggest possible stage week in and week out between the SEC West, between, you know, rolling through 
Oklahoma in historic fashion, dominant fashion with what was it, seven first half touchdowns or whatever it was. <laughs> Please, it sounds Joe, ridiculous stop. They're space. already dead. And then to go bad. in there and outduel Trevor Lawrence, who at this point, it's like almost unfair that that kid has to sit and play for, you know, a couple hundred grand in college next year. Um, but I mean, Burrow is just absolutely fucking phenomenal, man. There's really no way I've around never, it. I've never seen something like that. I've, I've no. seen, you know, we, we got to see the 58 touchdown passes by Colt Brennan, but I mean, like, those are games where I remember back in the day, me and you had to stay up until like fucking three o'clock in the morning to watch this kid throw six touchdowns against nobodies. Yeah. Just because we were, just because we were drunk and we were fucking like, oh man, this guy throws like eight touchdowns a game. This is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, but and the thing is, Burrow was doing that against, you know, Auburn and Alabama yeah. and Oklahoma and Clemson. Uh, it was amazing. To, it, was, it was amazing to watch somebody take an NFL offense stick it into a college body, and just eviscerate everybody. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, uh, ev- everybody's went to the next level with that With that one. Uh, Joe Brady, whew, he, he, that guy, I've, I've never seen a, a, a coordinator. Is he already gone? Stock, yeah, he's to the Carolina Panthers as their offensive Panthers, coordinator. With Matt Rule. With Matt oh, Rule. Oh, good for him. Which, for you him. know, that might be low-key. That might low-key be. We'll be getting rid of Cam soon. But – Joe Brady seems like a guy who might be able to figure out how to use that toy based off what I saw with him at LSU. Uh, yeah. But he'd probably get the best out of Cam's arm as long as that Cam's might arm low key be the higher. That might low key yeah. be the higher that's under the radar with the NFL's offseason that might work out. Because uh, Matt Rule has. Work out. Yeah, people forget Rule has, you know, some, some NFL coaching experience. So it wasn't like he was a complete unknown to the league. And he also has now had a track record of turning around some programs between Temple, which has historically not been a strong program despite their location, and then Baylor yeah. coming off all the, you know, uh, Art Bryles allegations and stuff. Art Bryles. Those are some bad dudes. <laughs> yeah, so being able to turn that around in pretty quick fashion. I mean, he had Baylor playing in some big-time games this season. Yeah. Uh he, he might be uh, a guy that we look at next year and, and they're in the playoffs. And you're like, oh, man, Matt Rule, who knew this guy was a good coach? I did. Um, all right, man. Well, it was uh, – heck, we'll uh, give this little tea. We'll get back to recording. We'll uh, start talking more college basketball, a little uh, MLB maybe. Who knows? Maybe some hockey. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll start to learn more about hockey. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, I'm Ron. I'm Lamar. And we're the Transfer Portal. Thank you for listening. Take it easy, everybody.